chapter 5, verse 2. Brother Smith, you can get to me. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse 30. Uh, Nick, I want you to find to me Proverbs 23, verse 17. Closer and closer, and mama need to hurry up. Give me my purse. Give me my purse. 
You run up and down and say, get the purse. Then you give it to her and it seems like she's all of a sudden going to slow motion. <laughs> take everything in her purse out except the change. Mama, the ice cream man is coming. I need the change now. Huh? And you got mama like mad when she finally found the change. You try to put a hole in your hand when she hands it. <laughs> if you didn't have to duck it first, you catch it. You catch it. And then everybody would jet back out of the house after getting changed from the ice cream man, run up to the truck. Everybody would get bomb pops and, 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 and ice cream sandwiches and, and Superman and, and the little ice and the, and the fun dish. You walk around with the purple tongue. Everybody walked around with one, but there was always two or three who didn't have money to get anything for ice cream. And that's supposed to be your friend. What do you do? Bible has told you, if you are in the house, you can't. 
I can't get them to help. That means if you make a lifestyle out of it, you're habitually envious and filled with jealousy. Heaven will not be your no home. Titus and Titus in the chapter is, is, is three, verse three. Who had that for me? Quentin, that was you. Read it for me. All right. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Notice what he's saying. He said, at some time, the, the key word there is we were. We used to be, but we're not anymore. So what we're going to talk about this evening for a few moments is, I want us to talk about overcoming envy. Overcoming envy. Envy comes in many different forms that you don't even recognize, but it comes in many forms. And it's, uh, it's important that if we're going to encourage one another, see, you can't encourage somebody if you're too, if you're so busy being resentful and envious toward them. Like you said at the nursing home today, it's hard to shake hands with a critic. You can't, you can't do it. You can't embrace your brother and sister with your arms folded in anger. We have to overcome that if we're going to work together. You know why? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that it's one body. But there are many members, and everybody has a part in it. And we've all got to work together for the same purpose. Because all our gifts came from the same source, and they ought to be used to glorify the one who gave them. Envy will make us like the man we talked about this morning, uh, the lame man. It will make you inefficient. It'll slow down the process. You can't get work done being that way. All right? Uh, how to identify envy? Here's the way I identify envy. Envy always gripes when other people are doing Like somebody else gets something nice, they sit over and say, it ain't that nice. I seen better. I've had better. I've had better and threw away better than what that is. That ain't nice. <laughs> That's envy. Kind of downplayed instead of just being glad. But guess what? Maybe it wasn't as nice as what you had. But guess what? It's nicer than anything they've ever had. And for that, you should be yours. You should be yours. You should be glad for that. Huh? So how do, how do you identify envy? When the person is sitting over there saying, well, <laughs> I've seen that. Well, well, you ever notice some, some of that stuff isn't even necessary to say, is it? And show up, show up. And see, here's the thing. You think if you don't say it, nobody will know it. But guess what? When you think it, it comes out. In your act, actions and your attitudes. Uh, uh, and, and up here, I'm going to read that to you. This is written by George Foreman. And, and uh, he said, a friend told me, George, one day you're going to have it all. You'll have money, fleets of cars. I envisioned everything he was describing. Wow, I replied. I'm going to feel good when that happens. My childhood hero, uh, football sensation, Jim Brown, once came to my ranch to do a television interview with me. I always wanted to be just like Jim. By now, I was successful. I was a successful world champion boxer, and my idol actually came to my house. After gawking at my manicured lawn and beautiful home with exquisite furniture, Jim Brown said, George, you've got a name. 
I just hope one day I can get it together like you. Get it together like me? I was trying to get it together like him. Sometimes, see, uh, when you're envious, you have a skewed view of what you truly have. So easy looking at what somebody else has, you take less time to appreciate what you have. So busy counting what you think you're being slighted of, you don't realize just how much you've been given. Huh? And what happens? When you don't appreciate it, when you don't relish it the way God intended it, you lose it. This envy that causes that. It's a lack of appreciation that causes that. It's no gratitude that causes that. Then, then uh, uh, for those of us who only think in dollars and cents and numbers and nickels, uh, people living in North America, Europe and high-income Asia-Pacific countries hold 90% of the world's wealth. If your household assets assets exceed $61,000, that's your home, cars, retirement, and investments, then you are among the richest 10% in the world. Hmm? I know. I, I, yeah, I see, 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 sometimes we say, well, that, see, well, that ain't nothing. <laughs> you know what is $61,000 more dollars than zero? <laughs> Quick! The cry broke. You don't know. And maybe at one point in your life you knew broke, but you forgot what broke was. And some of us need to be reminded of what it means to truly be So you learn to appreciate 61 cents. See, because before, see, you got to learn to appreciate 61 cents before you know how to handle 61 dollars. And if you can't handle 61 thousand with the proper attitude, See, God's people, God has everything for us, but when we're sitting crippling over paltry amounts of money, God is saying, how am I going to give you all this? Can I ask you to take care of a little of me so I can make you a master of me? How do that? When you're choking and scratching and almost killing each other, over next to that. And notice what it says there. It says, you in the top 1% of global wealth, if your assets top $500,000, assets meaning home, cars, retirement, and investment, half of Earth's adult population, $1.8 million has less, uh, 1.8 million has less than 1% of the world's wealth. Now, this is 2013, because I was seven years ago, so I'm sure some of those numbers have changed. But the principle is wrong. You just don't know how blessed you are. When you're being envious, there's a song that, 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 there's a song that says, you don't know how blessed you are. And envy won't let you know how blessed you are. So then, so then uh, Bible says, what is envy? Envy is discontent. 
at the excellence or good fortune of another. Synonyms of this particular word, resentful, begrudging, literally to look against, to, to, to eye with the evil, with evil intent. Mark 7, verse 23, he has an example. Rachel and Leah and her children. The Philistines, or Philistines, envy Isaac's prosperity. The question we ask is, do we envy others? Do we envy those with larger houses than their calling? Sometimes we do. Huh? And it'll push us to do things that are outside of our character, and they're right we go. Sometimes we get caught up focusing on things that we think we got to get out there and get it and have. And before you know it, we're doing things beyond what God will have us to do. And this is with any of us. We get caught up in that. We can find ourselves doing illegal things. Trying to have what we think we ought to have. Do we envy those who receive positions that we desire? Remember today, at the nursing home, we talked about sometimes Man's rejection is God's direction. Sometimes I've decided that this position at work is exactly for me. It's exactly, and I ought to have it, and I deserve it. I've already set that up in my mind. But see, the thing is, we don't know ourselves well enough. We don't understand ourselves. We have a surface understanding, but we don't really know ourselves like God does. And God is saying, don't you understand, son? Let me show you something, though. That if you, if I put you in that position, being the way you are, beneath the surface of the front you put on, your soul is going to be lost. Because you, it will be rottenness to your bones. It will, it will consume you. It will swallow you up. And before you know it, you become a slave to that position rather than a servant of the one who blessed you. Huh? Hey, hey, why sit there with your mouth balled up and, and got an attitude because you couldn't have? Look, sometimes, God, we said this at the nursing home, sometimes, just like with the children, sometimes some of the children, when you wake up in the morning, you can just touch them and they'll wake up. Others, you can just gently shake and they'll get up. Others, you gotta kick them out the bed. Huh? And if you kick them out of bed enough time, and they fall on their face enough time, they'll start to do some things to preempt that being put out the bed that way. And they say, you know what, maybe I need to get up. Ahead of time. But you see, sometimes the, the way God works with us and deals with us has everything to do with the hardness of our own hands. Huh? I need you to read Malachi sometime. Uh, uh, read, read those scriptures where it talks about, look, the reason why your blessings and Micah, the reason why your blessings haven't come yet. Because you're talking about God ain't gonna do what he said. God taking too long. The reason why the promise hasn't, the blessing hasn't gotten here yet, because you haven't put yourself in a position to receive it. What position is that, Brother Johnson? On your knees. Bow in prayer. Waiting to arise, take up your bed, go to your house with the new blessing God has sent God is waiting to drop some things on you. Remember we talked about that. Remember how we talked about, if you watch me, if you want to read, we talked about time, timing pattern. 
As you know, and, and what a timing pattern is, is when a quarterback, when, he, when he's, he's about to snap the ball, right? And, and, and he and the receiver, they know the play. Timing pattern is, soon as the, as, as the quarterback snaps, he drops three steps. Three steps, release. That's what he's going to do. And what that means is the court, that means the, 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 the receiver, they need to be in the spot where the ball is going. Not where it was, son. Be where it's going. And if he, as a receiver, goes up, yeah, he has a defensive man on him. We all have a defensive man on him. His name is Satan. It's up to you when he bumps you at the line. That's called bump and run, right? He wants to bump you within five, within five yards. Because if he can bump you, then guess what he can do? He can throw you off the route. But what you gotta do when he bumps, you move his arms, you, 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 you fake in, hit a double move. A double move is when you go this way, go that way, but then go right back to the original route. Because you know where the ball is gonna be. He does it, you do. It's a timing pattern, so if we do it right, when you hit that move and come back, soon as the, you can, the, the receiver should be able to stick his hands out without looking at the ball right there. That's a timing pattern. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, there's a time for everything. And God has set up. When we, what this is, we in the huddle right, to, right now. You know that? We in the huddle. You got a quarterback looking at the play. That's what I'm doing. I'm like, all right, John, this is the situation. It's about fourth and, and then three and a half. We got to figure this out. Okay? This is what we're going to do. All right? Great. Great. You say that last amen. Then everybody goes to their homes. Now, we got the play. I just gave you the play. That was up to you throughout the week to run your path. Open your hands and first down, touchdown, game over, we win. Does that make sense to anybody? But when you're being envious, then you get the alignment. Anybody know what the offensive lineman look like? The offensive lineman, they look like human <laughs> They are six foot eight. And weighs 340 some odd pounds. That's a house with legs. <laughs> and and think he come in the huddle like, you know what I feel like this time? You know what I'm tired of like? I think on this play, I'm gonna be the receiver. <laughs> well, you got two braces. You got braces on your knees. It's a timing pattern. You need speed and agility, son. It's not saying you less of a player. It just means that that's not your position. We need you to push the defense back so that the receiver can get out there and so the quarterback has time to release the ball. Son, you, if you go out there and we bring the receiver who might be about six foot one and 180 pounds, and expect him to block a defensive lineman who is 6'3", 6'3", and 320 pounds. Let me show you that. Hurry up, man, today, 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 tonight, tonight, come on. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop me and get to that point. 
I want you to <laughs> me to that pew. Now, how tall are you, man? He said, four eight. <laughs> <laughs> how much did you weigh, man? He said, about seven pounds. <laughs> now, but Johnson, about six five. And I weigh about two seven. Now, it's your job to stop me from getting Ready, stop. Come on, you're not doing that. Now, if there's a quarterback there, my quarterback's on my other shoulder. He might be under my foot. You alright? And look, the women talk about the baby turning red. He likes me, and that's what he does. Right? Good job, man. <laughs> That's just what he does. He'll be all right. Tell him quick, you turn red all the time. <laughs> See, I want you to understand something. See what happened if we get in that argument? Did anybody see the game? Uh, did anybody see the game where uh, Alabama and, and, and the quarterback act like he was going to get in the face of, his, uh, of the offensive lineman? And he was screaming at him. All this fire just tapped him in the chest. The boy almost flew to the chest. We don't have time to be. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. Don't be arguing about my position. Because I, here's the thing. I need you to play that position. So I can play my position. So we can win for the whole team. And so that our owner and master, Jesus Christ, God himself, will be able to lift his church on the last day, triumphant, cleansed of sin, cleansed of every spot. Because on one day, Jesus is going to return his church to his father. And he wants it without women. Does that make sense to anybody? But we got to get rid of envy. Envy, the nature of envy is this. You see it in James 3.13. You can tell someone, you can tell if someone is not envious by this. Good behavior. They're gentle. They're peaceful. They're reasonable. They're merciful. And they seek to be without hypocrisy. Envy brings disorder in all evil things. Envy brings evil. Psalm 73, 2 through 3 says, a good man, talks about how good men are never to envy. If you're God's child, you have nothing to envy. Because there's nothing in the world that's greater than what your father do or be. Envy is worldly, envy is unspiritual, and envy is demonic. If you're being envious, you are being unspiritual, you're being demonic. Not God. Nick, you alright, man? Catch your breath, man? Huh? Alright, man, sit up, man. You got me concerned now. All the women to jump on my back. See, you hurt that baby. Why you be so rough on him? Luke 15, 29 through 30 says, more concern. When you're envious, you have more concern for yourself than for other people. Proverbs 27, verse 4 says, it's worse. Than wrath or anger in the 
of deceit, hypocrisy, and slavery. You're always going to be putting down somebody because you're filled with envy. Huh? And you're trying to justify it. It's one of the deeds of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 12, 20 says, Strife, anger, angry tempers, outbursts, disputes, slanders, gossip, and arrogance. These all come along with envy. 1 Timothy 6, 4 says, Disputes, strife, abusive language, and evil suspicions come along with envy. You ever know somebody who is suspicious of everything? You say that, what you mean by that? How are you doing? Oh, what are you saying? What do you mean, how am I doing? What, what are you trying to find out? I mean, I know you asked me how I'm doing, but what do you really want? Because what you want to know is what I'm doing, not how I'm doing. Man, all I wanted to say was how. Huh? And then, and, then, and then also, Titus, foolishness, disobedience, enslaved to lust, pleasures, and malicious and hateful. It makes you a slave. Envy doesn't set you free. Huh? And it's hard to move forward when you have envious people in the ranks. Because every time you move forward, they're always saying, what about me? Me, me, me. What about me? Why didn't I get why didn't I hear? Why didn't it come past me? Why didn't somebody tell me? Man, it's more than just you up in here. And if you want to be in the loop, then get on. Rather than being rolled on. And you'll find exactly who you can be used. Romans 1, 28-32. It says, envy is worthy of death. Now, I ask you, do you understand uh, from the scripture we just looked at? Do you get an understanding of how God views him? Huh? Anybody in here want to dare try to justify him? Well, you can. You can take it up with the Lord, though. Because I'm just showing you what the book says about envy and how dangerous and destructive it is. The results of envy, Cain slew Abel. That's a brother killed another brother. Philistines stopped Isaac's web. Joseph sold into slavery. Korah and 250 others rebelled against Moses. Don't you know, Korah, that was Moses' cousin. And, and, and well over 20,000 people died that day behind that kind of end. The apostles were put into prison. Our Lord, our Lord, sweet precious Jesus who did nothing to no one but try to love everybody. He was crucified. He was crucified because they were just Because they were enemies. Where can envy be found? You can find a work, find a school, find a family, find a church house. You can find anywhere. Overcoming evil, you know how you do it? Love is the truth. You put on the Lord, you put off evil. Grow up. Stop being so child. Only babies sit around and talk about mine, 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 mine. Possess mine. They only do that. Walk in the spirit. Be part of the body. Be a Christian. Be a true Christian. Be a true child of God. Be content. See, be, be in the body, you know why? 
Because there's in the body of Christ, guess what? There's plenty of work for everybody. There's more than enough blessings for everybody. It's spilling over. And, and, and pray, pray with those envious thoughts and all that. Pray and take action not to be that way. Change the way you are, change the things you say. And don't think, don't think just because you got one or two people who agree with what you say, make it right. Because it's still there, Lord. That's how we overcome envy. We can't have envy in our ranks. We cannot allow it. Because guess what? As long as you let envy stay in your life, it will keep you unstable. One minute you're in, the next minute you're out. One minute you're on, the next minute you're off. When you're envious, it makes you so unstable. You're deceitful. You're lying to yourself half the time. So one moment you're extremely high and everything is lovely and great and beautiful. The next second, you're the exact opposite. Because you're letting something ungodly in your life. <laughs> it will make you spiritually bipolar. Because you're not taking your medication. Your medication is that book. Don't you want to be stable? Well, then leave and be alone. Overcome it. Put it behind you. Stop letting it keep you away from the greatest blessings God has for you. You just want to love Jesus' call. You've been envious. Then leave and be behind you. Stand out there and come to the Lord. You stand outside of Christ. Come to Jesus. Hearing what he said, believing what he said, depending on your past, confessing Jesus is Lord, being willing to be baptized for the permission of the forgiveness of your sins and added to his body, which is the church. There's only one church, and there's only one way to be saved, it's in the body of Christ. You can only be saved in the body, Christ's body, which is Christ's church, which is the church of Christ, your only Christians and Christians only. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lord. Stop making something out of nothing. Be careful for that kind of error. Because it will cause you to lose yourself. And if you've ever had, if you've ever had to deal with somebody that envious, but let them say, well, you know how draining that is? You know how draining and depressing and disappointing it is? When you think things, just when you think things are right, then the rug gets pulled out from under your feet. When you do it all you can, and for some reason, no matter what you do, it's never enough. And I'm talking about according to the Lord, not according to you. And it just seems never to be enough. Because you're not dealing with spirituality, you're dealing with carnality. And the flesh is never satisfied. You want to be made whole, you want to be made right here? Then come to the Lord. 